And I call them devils, these kiddie devils, right? This is any team, truthfully, I'm, I mean this hand in heart, any team who can plot and implement and take down clear at the moment, I, I do think it's kiddie. Join myself, Willow Callahan, along with James Skehill and Paul Murphy for the best insight this hurling season. OTB AM With Gillette. Get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar. Let's move on. Republic of Ireland, um, again, brilliant last night against Georgia and uh, a record equaling away win, which puts us in prime position to at least get out of this group and move on to the next qualifying stage when it comes to the World Cup in Australia. I'm delighted to say Sue Ronan is with us. Sue, good morning to you. How are you? Morning, guys. How's it going? What What did you make of the performance and the quality of it? You know, I thought it was a really, really good performance from start to finish. Um, when you think of it, the, the team are most of the team out of season at the moment. Uh, you're playing away in, in a country like Georgia. Um, I think they went about their job professionally, uh, started off the game really, really fast, got the early goal, which, of course, helps set us the nerves. But, you know, never eased off, never took the foot off the throttle at all, just kept going and going. I think apart from maybe 10, 15 minutes just before halftime, um, maybe when, when they did ease off a little bit, it was a fully professional performance. And to win any game 9-0, no matter who you're playing, and look, we have to recognise the opposition, you know, we're weak enough, but at the end of the day, you can only play what's in front of you. And to, to win any international match night. 9-0 and away from home too. It was just a fantastic performance and a great achievement and it really boosts our goal difference as well. The ruthlessness is really important in a situation like this where it would be easy for that sloppy period to actually become the rest of the game and it peters out and you win 3-0 or 4-0 and it's like, well, there was a lot more there for us if we'd done it. But actually that that didn't happen and you know, a lot of credit has to go to the players for that but some of the credit has to go to the management for that too. Sure. Um, yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, like, I love the way the players are knocking the ball around now. You know, they're so, every one of them is so comfortable on the ball. They're, they're so comfortable, you know, when they're under pressure uh, on the ball. And okay, they weren't under an awful lot of pressure last night, but uh, the way they were knocking it around, they're moving the ball so quick. Their first touch is excellent. They're, they're on the front foot all the time. The body is open, you know. Obviously, they're, they're, they're all playing at a really high level now. So they're, they're used to, to playing fast. They're used to playing under pressure. Um, so it comes from there first, I guess. But of course, uh, you know, the management do get credit as well for encouraging that and encouraging it in games like when they, they play the same way when they're playing against Sweden, when they're playing against Finland, you know, always looking comfortable in possession. Um, yeah, so it's really, really pleasing on the eye, I have to say at the moment. They're, they're playing very, very well. Uh, let's talk about some of the specifics. Um, uh, Abby Larkin, 17, and afterwards, uh, Katie McCabe speaks very highly of her post-match. What do you know about Abby Larkin? How, how good can she be? What's her ceiling? You know, Abby, you, you don't want to put pressure on a, on a young kid, of course, on a young kid's shoulders, but Abby was around when, when I was uh, under 16 coach, actually, there going back probably about three or four years ago. She was with the schools team at the time, um, the under 15 schools team. I knew Abby a long time, and her mom as well. She was... And she, she hopefully she'll forgive me for saying, but I saw it all over Twitter. She, she, she was one of our um, the faces around our big soccer sisters program back in the day. You know, as a young girl, and she always had a bit of a swagger about her. She always had a football in her hand. You know, no matter what we were doing, it was a press interview, whatever. She was going around juggling the ball, and you could see 
football was her life and, and her mom brought her everywhere. Um, but she was on the schools team, the under 15 schools team in 2019, I think. Um, and she was a real talent. She did excellent with, for, for Richie Berkeley's school team in the Bob Doherty competition. And then I had called her up to the under 16 squad, which was getting together in early 2020. Um, and she was in one camp. And then, of course, we all know what happened after that. So she would have missed a good bit of international football. But, you know, it, she was always sustained to destined to go to the top um i think she can be anything she wants to be she reminds me of olivia o'toole um you know and, and i don't want to put pressure on the young kids shoulders but i think she's a really excellent talent she's a lovely kid she comes from a lovely lovely family um she's playing at one of the top clubs here and i think she can just get better and better all the time how will she fit into this ireland team do you think you know, I don't think she's far away. I think from what I hear, she's been doing really, really well. Of course, it's wise to to, to use her sparingly because she is quite young, um, but she's just so comfortable on the ball. And she does think so naturally that, you know, you, you don't you, you don't teach kids and she gets into little half spaces. She holds off players with her body well. I mean, they just seem to come naturally to her, you know. Um, I think she's going to be knocking on the door uh, over the coming year. And, and I think eventually she's going to make herself, uh, you know, a... Uh, an automatic choice in the squad but look let's not put too much pressure on her I guess um, having said all that she is a great talent and I definitely see she'd be in that team for a long time to come The, the uh, Olivia O'Toole uh, comparison is interesting is, is that just pure goal scoring instinct is that where the comparison that you're seeing it's, I don't know. It's just something about her. Like I, I obviously would have played with Olivia a long time in the national team myself. And Olivia was a real street footballer. She just had this natural ability to glide by players, to you know, tr- drop the shoulder and, and create a bit of space for herself. And Abby just reminds me so much of Olivia and that type of thing, that type of style. And, and that's the way Abby grew up playing the game. Like she, as I said, she always had a ball in her hand. She played, she played anywhere she could before she was even in a structured uh, club environment. So she just reminds me of Olivia so much. And again, as I said, you don't want to put pressure on the kid, but I definitely think in years to come, we'd be looking at Abby, you know, as one of the regulars in the squad or in the team and, and looking at her to do something special, maybe to win a game for us. I, I think stuff like this is really important. I know you're saying don't get carried away and uh, that's good. But at the same time, if, any, if everybody wants to go and see somebody who we think could be a superstar of Irish football, she's playing in Talca Park week in, week out at the moment. Like there's an opportunity sure. here for everything to kind of just to mushroom really quickly. Maybe she ends up playing for Barcelona. Maybe she stays in, at Shells for the, the rest of her career. I don't know. But like, you know, if, if people are interested and they want to go and see something that is potentially special, it's cheap as chips to go and watch these games at the moment. Absolutely. And look, I mean, besides Abby, you have other great players that play with Shells and with the other teams around uh, around the country as well. I mean, if you look at Jess Stapleton, who didn't make the squad last night. I mean, Jess has been around a long time and likewise has come through that same pathway as Abby. Uh, from, played with boys, gone to school, played with the schools team, the underage squads. And she's a fantastic talent too. And and, and she's doing really well for, for Shelburne as well. And like they're both only young girls. They're both only 17 years of age. And they really have the world at their feet in terms of football. As long as they keep the feet on the ground, which I think they both will. They're both from great families. Um, they're being coached well at club level. They're being coached well at international level. You know, So for sure, as you say, it's as cheap as chips to go and watch the games here. And there really is some great talent around, apart from those girls uh, you know, across all the clubs. So just about to ask that about the, the standard of coaching that they're getting. So you think that for a 17 year old at the moment in the National League here, they're absolutely getting everything they need and and a, a move to a, a different league isn't required just yet. 
Um, well, 17 is probably a little bit young mm. to go professionally, in my view. But look, I mean, everyone has their own view about it. I think while our league here is still an amateur league, and it is an amateur league, because many of those girls are in college, they're working. Um, I'm not sure how many times a week they train now, probably three times, maybe, maybe four, including gym sessions. But, you know, if you look at the players that have gone abroad and have gone to the UK, and how they've gone on to the next level. I mean, look at Katie McCabe and, and the level she's at now. I mean, she's she's fantastic. Like she's one of the best players in, in, in England at the moment, you know, without a shadow of a doubt. Um, and she was a really good player here as well. But when she went professional, she even went up a step again. And there's others like her. Um, and the majority of the team last night, I think all apart from starting 11, apart from Jess Sue. And Jess, I know, was either gone or going to West Ham. Um, so they're all playing at that higher level where they're getting professional, uh, where, where they're getting coaching day in, day out. But not only that, they're playing against the top players in the world. And, you know, while our league is improving here, the, the, the quality of the league in England, it's actually the best league in the world at the moment. And that's where all the best players from uh, around the, the world are gravitating towards. Um, you just have to look at who's at the different clubs. You know, you have Sam Kerr, the top Australian player is at, at Chelsea. Um, you have Pernilla Harder, the, the, the best player in Denmark is at Chelsea. You know, and I could go on and on. So for sure to play professionally, that is the level they all need to be playing at. You know, do I am I saying should a 17 year old go? In my view, it, it might be a year or two too young because like they're still doing their college and that's important as well. Or sorry, doing their studies, their their leaving cert probably that's important. But you know, in the coming years, you know, you, if our league doesn't get to that status where we're, we can have a semi-professional league or professional league, for sure, I think the next step in those girls' career is to go and play professionally. Uh, go on, sorry. Can I just ask then, uh, uh, like when it comes to that, that quality coaching, how important the last two weeks would have been for some of those players, especially those based in the National League in, in Ireland here. Just the fact that they went on a 10-day training camp to Turkey before this fixture against Georgia, like, I mean, they'll say it was for acclimatisation and all that, but I'd assume a Vera Pau training camp for 10 days isn't uh, isn't for the faint-hearted, and I'd say there would have been a good bit of development, a good bit of quality training that would have gone into to, to a few of those players who might not be exposed to that level of coaching all the time. Yeah, well, I'm sure they are all exposed to a good level of coaching here. I know the coaches that are with the clubs. Um, the, the difference is they wouldn't have them together, you know, for, for that length of time, I suppose. But for sure, a 10-day camp in Turkey, I mean, that gives any coach the opportunity to work on every single as- aspect of play. So they went there to acclimatise. I, I think it seems the weather wasn't as hot in Georgia as maybe anticipated, but nevertheless, um, they did what what you know they felt was the right thing, and I'm sure it was the right thing to go to Turkey. It was also closer to Georgia, so I suppose in terms of travelling over for the game, that was that was an easier travel for them. But they would have been working on their patterns of play, not only for the game last night, but also at one eye on September. I have no doubt because that's the last time those players are going to be together until they come in four or five days um, before they play Finland at home. And at that point, they'll all be in season. They'll all be playing for their clubs. So that'll have to be managed when they come in. So they all arrive in on a Monday. They can't go you know, into full, full flat-out training. Some of them may have played on Sunday. Some might be carrying injuries, um, you know, that type of thing. So that, that has to be a periodization in their training that week leading up to the Finland game. So I have no doubt the 10 days they've just had in Turkey worked an awful lot with those two games in mind, worked on patterns of play. They, they would have worked at set on set play. Um, you know, they would have worked on different things because I think the, the match against the Philippines last week, there was a, it wasn't the same starting 11 as last night. So Vera is still looking around to see what our best 11 is. And 
I heard her interview and she's picking players based on how they're getting on and training and, and what they're doing in each game. And, you know, those girls last night, every single one of them would have really staked a claim to start against Finland. It'd be very difficult for her now to leave any of those out. But hey, that's the job of a coach. Yeah. And like so much rides on qualification now at this stage, like we're we're getting ready to talk about the, the Euros, but there's kind of this desperate sense of uh, missing out that like the Euros right there and we're playing really good football and the game has never been, you know, uh, peaking more than it has and how amazing would it be to actually be at a major tournament with the games all on telly. That will happen. That will, that's definitely going to happen at some point, but the sooner that it happens, the quicker the dam bursts. No, absolutely. Look, I mean, and I've seen it in other countries over the years when your women's national team qualify for a major turn, major finals. That really is the catalyst to to for the game to go that way, you know, to go up in in that respective country. And the girls have been knocking on the door for a long time. And, you know, it wasn't only the last the last campaign where they, they missed out to Ukraine. And I'm sure that's on every single one of their minds, you know, how they let that one got away. Because, you know, let's be honest, they did let it get away because we know they should have beat Ukraine. They had enough possession, they had enough chances to do that. And it just didn't happen, unfortunately. But I think... There's so many players in that squad now. If you look at the number of caps they have, there's so many of them. There's, there's one or two over the 100 mark, Nia Fahey, Anya O'Gorman. There's some of them very, very close to the 100 mark. Um, and even young players like Denise. I mean, Denise is, what, 25, 26 years of age? Um, and, and look at the number of cam- caps she has. But they now have that experience. They've been through that heartache on, 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 for a few campaigns. They've been through the disappointment. They have built up that resilience now within themselves. They, you know, they have that determination, that mental strength, and for sure it will happen soon. Um, and you know, I suppose they've missed out, as I say, a couple of times over the last uh, few campaigns. Uh, they're determined not to let it happen again, and it will happen soon. It is a shame we're not playing in the Euros in England. You know, it's so close. Um, you know, the girls are used to the ones that play in England, you know, would love to have played there as well, I'm sure. But look, I, I think it will happen sooner rather than later. Uh, how good was Megan Connolly last night? Oh, I thought she was super. I thought she was super and she got player of the match and rightly so. I thought Jess Sue pushed her very, very closely, I have to say. Again, for a young girl coming in, she was excellent. Um, but Megan was really, really excellent. And Megan has always had a sweet right foot. You know, she she played underage. She was just coming into the squad, my squad, just before um, I finished with the team. She was sort of in and out. She was available. She wasn't available. She was in college in the States. So it wasn't always easy to get her free from exams or whatever. But, you know, you put her on a dead ball around the edge of the box and you'd be guaranteed it went to the top of the net. I've seen her do it with her under-19s. Um, set play corners as well. She can put it on a sixpence, but you know her some of her pass and her switching a play. The ball was going straight to a player's foot. It was just sublime. It was, it was really, it was lovely to watch. It really was. She was excellent. It's like that <clears throat> that dead ball proficiency, which may actually be as important as some of the silky football that we've seen when it gets to a situation like a game against Finland on the first of For September. Sure. And listen, in the first game, she she put one into the top corner, didn't she, against Finland? That's and cool. Um, yeah. And it's those set pieces that might that might be crucial. 
Oh, for sure. And, you know, when, look, we're scoring goals from everywhere now, which is great. It's not, back in the day, you know, Irish teams in general, I suppose, really, you know, you, you, you waited for that set play and that might have been your only opportunity of scoring a goal, but that's not the case with this team now. But having said that, when you're playing the really top teams, it very often might be the only um, outlet to, or opportunity to score a goal. But, and when you have somebody like Louise Quinn in your team, who will get on the end of every ball coming into, into the box, you know, she's so strong in the air. She's so determined she's so accurate and then you have Megan putting those balls in in for her and and also Katie then on the other side I mean it, it's really such an advantage for the team I'd say you know when we're playing any teams are playing against they quake in their boots I'd say one of the instructions from the coaches don't give away any corners don't give away any free kicks around the edge of the box because we're coming we're becoming known now to to be very dangerous in those situations so we're a point ahead of Finland at this point. We're on 11. Finland are on 10 points before that September match. There is a different, it feels anyway, a different sense of pressure around this, obviously, because we're later into the campaign uh, come September. But also because Finland, to a degree, felt maybe got caught a little bit unawares about the development that Ireland had actually made and getting beaten by them in the last game. Like they'll be coming back really kind of really hungry for a bit of revenge in, in September. Does, does that change how Ireland approached the game in September or, or maybe even your, your own confidence levels uh, about that performance that might be incoming? I don't think so. Um, you know, I mean, I, we're in the driving seat now. We're a point ahead. We really deserved our win away to Finland. You know, we've been an improving team for years. Um, again, in my last campaign, we played Finland. Finland was the second seed in our group. Um, I can't remember who the top seed were. It might have been Spain. But like that, we would have been aiming for that second place. And we lost narrowly at home um, 2-1 in Tala. And we really didn't play well that day. And the players knew it themselves. And many of the players are still in the squad. And we went away really determined to, um, you know, com- confident that we were going to beat them away. And that would have got us that second place. But on the day, it didn't happen. And things started to go wrong. And that mental resilience wasn't there, um, you know, and... It just didn't work out. But I think like we're we've been an improving team for years, as I say. Finland are still a second seed. I think we're we're a better team than Finland. I wouldn't fear them at all coming here. In actual fact, if you look at a draw against them, provided we beat Slovakia away, we'll do us. But you know, you don't approach the game that way, of course. But you know, I think Finland will fear us more than we'll fear them. I think the girls are relish now playing in Tala and against Finland. I was gonna say the the Tala thing, right? There there has been some talk or calls for us to try and start moving big games to the Aviva it feels like we're just a little bit early in the cycle for that personally like we've watched Croke Park all year be empty until it's full and then the atmosphere is amazing Tala when it's full the atmosphere is going to be absolutely amazing if you think back to the men's team against Luxembourg uh, when that tiny little stadium in Luxembourg which might have been eight, nine thousand capacity full of Luxembourg supporters it was a brilliant brilliant atmosphere Talent full could be an absolutely brilliant, brilliant atmosphere. And maybe we just need to turn that into our fortress first and then move the absolutely massive games to the Aviva as one-offs. Absolutely. And that's the point, you know, and people don't understand it, I guess, or maybe they're not thinking about it. If you think of Tallis Stadium, what does it hold? 8,000 now, maybe a little bit more with all the development. We've been probably putting five, five and a half. I'm not sure we've got to six in it. So we haven't actually filled it out yet, even though I think one or two of the matches in the last year beforehand, it said they were it, it was sold out, but maybe everyone didn't turn up. Um, but for sure, you know, if you put that 8,000 of full capacity from Tala into the Aviva Stadium, it's one corner of the, of the pitch. 
one corner of the stand, the players won't get the benefit of that, you know, that that noise, that surge from the fans that can carry you. You know, when things are not going well on the pitch, you're maybe the head is going down, you, you've done something wrong, you know, made a mistake. The crowd will lift you through. And there's such a bond now between this team and the crowd, and even more so on the men's side. Uh, uh, and that's just the way it is in women's football. The accessibility to, uh, from for players to the, the fans. And you see it after every match, win, lose or draw, the players are over signing autographs and getting pictures taken and the fans live for that and they love that that wouldn't happen at the Aviva and you know I think for sure I agree fill out Tala get what we need to get from there use that that um, wave of emotion wave of, of support that we get in that small close-knit stadium that will be full I'm sure for, for the Finland game um, feed off it Get to the final, get to the World Cup finals, and then after that, you can start looking at maybe bringing marquee friendly games or something one off, you know, to the Aviv and see how that works out and, and build on it that way. Yeah, hundred percent, Sue. Great to have you with us. Thanks a million. Cheers. No problem. Take care. That's uh, former Ireland manager Sue Ronan talking to us about our nine 0 win over Georgia last night. It's- OTB AM with Gillette. Get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar.